Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on mental health keynote speaker, suicide and abuse survivor, two-time TEDx speaker, lead singer of the band Prison, and CEO of Cope Notes, which is a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries, Johnny Crowder. Let me say it like that, because where I'm from, you would be Johnny Crowder. So Johnny Crowder, how are you, my friend? Dude, good to finally sit down with you. So worth the wait. It is. And let, let me start off with this right now. Johnny stuck with me. I was down and out twice. I had to cancel with him and he stuck by me to do this interview. Third time's a charm. Johnny, I can't appreciate it enough. And you made me super happy to keep doing this. Heck yes. Let's jump. Let's do it. How about we just jump right into Cope Notes? Can you explain that a little bit better for the um, listeners out there? Yeah, the the short version is that we send randomly timed text messages that train your brain to think in healthier patterns. So it's like a brain training tool that sends you psychology facts, journaling prompts, exercises, but they're all written by peers with lived experience, like regular people like you and me who are saying like, here's what I wish someone would have said to me when I was going through it. What made you come up with that? Uh, I think pretty much everybody who launches a company or starts something is starting what they tried to find and couldn't. So I was in treatment for a long time and really all of the different resources that I found either required a lot of my time every once in a while, like an hour once a week for treatment, um, and then no support in between. Or they required me to take initiative. Like if you if you gave me a mental health app or something, I would have to decide to log in and use it. And I knew that when I was depressed, I wasn't taking a lot of initiative to, to help myself feel better. So I was like, how do I make something that supports people a little bit every day and doesn't rely on them to be the person to initiate contact? Right. Because when you're down and out, it's tough to get anything down. Like just even opening up an app's one thing and then having them log you in. You're like, I already forgot my password. I can't mm -hmm. do this every time. Um, that's awesome. So obviously you're a mental health advocate and you dealt with abuse and suicide before. When did that all start? Can you talk about your story a little bit? Um, I, I never really had like a normal slice of life. Pretty much the abuse started when I was really young and persisted until I think my last experience with that was probably in my early 20s. I'm 29 now. So I, I spent a good two decades experiencing pretty severe abuse. And I've been in treatment, um, trauma therapy and stuff to work through all of it, which has changed my life. So if anyone's listening and has experienced trauma or abuse, and you have been putting off trauma therapy like I did for a long time, stop putting it off. It will completely, um, you will thank yourself for prioritizing it. What made you put it off? Um, well, I was dealing with a lot of other diagnoses too. So I was kind of like, well, let me focus on my schizophrenia first. And then once we started getting my hallucinations in check, I'm like, let me focus on OCD and let me focus on. So as I was working down my my diagnosis list, my PTSD was at the very bottom because it was like, it felt like the ugliest because dealing with that also meant 
that it affected other people. Like my bipolar is me. It's in my brain. It's something that I deal with, but my PTSD was something that other people did. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost felt harder to wrestle with. So I kept saying, Oh, I'll worry about it later. I'll worry about it later. Hoping that I would like enough time would pass to where I would just kind of heal on my own. And, and that didn't happen. <laughs> right. Bipolar buddies right here. I'm uh, I'm with you bipolar too. And it's not easy, but you just listed off a slew of things. How did you, how are you managing that right now? It's honestly tons of effort. Yeah. Like a lot of people think that either I used to live with all those diagnoses and now I don't. Yeah. Um, or that I'm so bogged down with all of my different diagnoses that I can't function in my daily life. And it's actually neither. Um, I do see a therapist currently. I do um, educate myself a ton on like mental and emotional health. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who's like reading articles and listening to lectures on YouTube and listening to podcasts and watching Ted talks and like, trying to better understand how the brain works. So it's not like a, I'm not just in therapy once a week and I figure that that will fix everything. Like it's a very active thing where every day I'm working on getting healthier. And it fortunately it has, I'm hesitant to say it's gotten easier, but in some ways it really has, it's gotten more manageable because like your first year with a diagnosis, you're like, what the heck is this? And what does it mean? But year 10 or year 15 you're like i've been in a situation like this before and i remember what happened last time you know on the outside you look like you have everything going on obviously mental health and mental illness is something inside that people don't see i don't like to be negative by any means but what does a bad day look like for you during this this time when you've got cope notes going on you're doing ted talks like if you have a bad day what does that look like because i'm interested because like when i have bad days they're bad, but like people are like, Oh, you're so yeah. joyful and stuff. So what, what is it like for you? For me, I think <clears throat> I tend to trend towards unhealthy behaviors that are masquerading as healthy behaviors. So for example, um, I might work out too much. I might, uh, skip a meal or, or skip eating for a whole day saying that I'm just doing portion control or intermittent fasting or whatever, or yeah. I might work for 14 hours straight because I'm like, Oh, I'm just being productive. But actually these are simply using things that could be healthy in an unhealthy way. And it's a way that in the past I've kind of tricked myself into saying, Oh, this isn't an unhealthy coping mechanism. You're just being productive or you're just being healthy. But now as I get older, I'm recognizing like, it's not so much the activity, it's how you use it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And And all of these, I should say this, all of these, the theme around all this is typically isolation. So if I don't feel great, I'm not responding to text messages. I'm not answering phone calls. I'm like avoiding people. And that always makes it worse, but it's something that I feel myself doing. If I start feeling my mental and emotional health decline, I start pulling away and I'm not as responsive to people. And that is unfortunate because in those moments, human connection is what I need the most. Are you good at white lying as well as I am? Like when, if someone doesn't pick up, you're like, Oh yeah, I was just uh, at the dentist. I, uh, I, I was busy. Sorry. I tend to just say, and this is also true. I am a very bad texter. Um, <laughs> I might read your text, but I might not respond to your text. Do you write K instead of okay? Do you write K? 
No, no, okay, no. good, good. <laughs> I'm I'm a bad texter in that it will take me like a week and a half to text somebody back. Right. I will do it and it will be a thought out text message. But um I think sometimes I hide behind that where if someone's like, Oh yeah, you didn't freaking say anything to me for the last two weeks and I asked you a question and I, I'll just say, Oh, sorry, I've been busy or I'm a bad texter, which is true. There's truth to that, but I think sometimes I hide behind it when I'm avoiding people. The guy that created Cope Notes does not like texting. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Dude, well, I used to love, I used to text all the time. But then when I started working in text, like oh, yeah. I spent every single day, it's kind of like um, when I worked at Chipotle when I was younger, if you were like, do you want to go get Tex-Mex? I'd be like, no, yeah. dude. Absolutely not. I'm around rice and beans all for 12 hours a day, you know? So it, I do think it's funny that before I ran, before I started Code Notes, I would text all the time. And now I like, if I can help it, I don't have my phone on me. Like it's not, my phone isn't even at my desk right now. Like I'm, I'm a business owner. Shouldn't I have it around? And I just don't. <laughs> I'm glad I uh, hit you up via email then. Yeah. Email is definitely better. There's a lot of uh, misconceptions about mental health and how much do you love it when people judge a book by its cover with you? Because obviously you're tattooed out, you're in a band, someone comes up to you and they're talking to you and they're like, oh, this guy is intense. And then they start talking to you like, oh, he's really, he's very well spoken. He knows his stuff. It's like, how does that, how does it make you feel when you, when you judge, when you correct somebody? I, I typically don't. Um, I try not to like, rub it in when people assume something about me that isn't true, because I'm sure we all do that. Yeah. But I do find it especially funny when um, someone, I was speaking on some panel, this was years ago, and someone said, um, you know, you're surprisingly well-spoken considering dot, dot, dot. And this was like, she said it into a microphone in front of all these people. <laughs> like, Considering what, dude, I'm, I'm self-spoken consider or, or, um, what the heck word did I just use? Which one? The soft, soft-spoken, well-spoken? Yeah. 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 And I was just so, I, I have a lot of moments like that where I just try to turn them into something funny because we all have, you know, prejudices and the way that we judge people by looking at them. So I'll even notice myself, like I have kind of a proclivity towards trusting people who do have visible tattoos. So it's weird. Like I lend a higher level of trust to somebody who has their hands, neck or face tattooed because I feel that I, we have somewhat of a similar like shared life experience, which is its own form of prejudice, you know? Right. Would you have any mental health type tattoos? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I have my suicide prevention semicolon on my yep. thumb. I have my gratitude checklist on my left forearm. This is a suicide prevention symbol that is in my band's logo, the awesome. eye of prison. So yeah, I kind of have a lot of them now. Yep. My stomach says PMA for positive mental attitude. Love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. I got one little one. I got a couple tattoos. I got my little bipolar one where it's uh, like the half smile. It's like the frown and the uh, smile. Mm. I had to get that for myself too with being bipolar. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, let's switch over to the TEDx. So first off, what exactly is TEDx? Because I see that you've done it twice. Your first one has 1.1 million views. And the other one was like probably not even a month ago. And it's at 3,000 and rising. So explain what TEDx is and explain what you were talking about in those two in, in, in like a short version. 
Yeah, TED. So I grew up wanting to give a TED talk and a lot of people are familiar with it and a lot of people aren't. In my mind, it's like huge. Like I grew up thinking like, oh, one day I'll give a TED talk. But basically TED talks are these short, like 15-ish minute um, keynotes basically where you present an idea that is novel and hopefully helpful. So my first TED talk is about why your brain is so slow to change, like why you can't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm going to be the type of person who whatever, like your brain kind of lags behind. It takes a while for your brain to form new habits, new patterns. So that one is more neuroscience based and it's called how to grow as a person and why it sucks because it's actually really hard to grow. Yep. Um, and then the second talk, the one that just came out, I think it's been out for like a week or two. And, um, that second talk is called why I don't want to die anymore. And it's about how I used to want to die for almost my whole life. I, I planned to end my own life. And then I almost died on a plane. And then I realized through almost dying, like, Oh shoot, if I really wanted to die, wouldn't I be excited right now? But actually I'm not excited about dying. Can you talk about that plane story real quick? Because I find that uh, the very interesting that you were like, I almost died on a plane. Yeah, the the short version. So I encourage you to watch the long version because it's going to sound way cooler because I spent a long time writing it. But um, really, I was on a plane that just started going through a series of free falls because one of the plane's engines was failing. So basically what that felt like is the plane would drop for like 20 or 30 seconds at a time, which is like a lifetime. That's so much time to be falling. Um, and then it would kind of, they'd try to crank the engine back on and then we would kind of climb in altitude a little bit. And then it, the engine would give out and we would free fall again. It was, it was absolutely horrifying. And the one thing that I talk about in the talk, I don't want to spoil too much, but one yeah. thing that I talk about is the fact that, you know, a lot of people think like, Oh, I never got to go to Europe. Or like, I never got to have a kid or whatever. And I didn't think any of that stuff. I, I thought that that's what I would think is like, oh, I never got to do this or do that. But really, I thought more about like, what did I get to do? And who did I get to be while I was a human on the planet Earth? So it was a very different experience than I would expect it to be. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not something you experience every day. Uh, there was something you said that I really liked. You wouldn't want to kill yourself if you got a chance to meet yourself. What is one thing that you love about yourself? I used to not be able to answer a question like that. It's taken like a decade plus of journaling and trying to learn to say kind things about myself. I think one thing that I love about myself now, especially in this season of my life, is I have a really pronounced sense of curiosity. So I'm very like inquisitive. I ask a lot of questions. I like to read stuff and do research. And even if it's something that um, doesn't pertain to my life, like if I meet someone at a restaurant and they're like, oh yeah, I do ballet. I'm like, dude, tell me everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know crap about ballet. And that, that curiosity makes it a lot of fun to be alive because you're always learning, you know? What I love about you, you're just a really good dude. <laughs> Thank you. A I love lot. it, man. You're just like, again, I can't thank you enough for sticking with me, man. You can just tell like how much of a good person you are. And I'm glad that you stayed with us in this life, man. So again, kudos to you. Thank you a lot, man.
Um, the band Prism, let's, let's talk about them real quick. Lead singer, right? Um, how did the name come about? What's, it, what's, what's the whole backstory with Prism? So the name Prison, I couldn't believe there wasn't another band. Right. Prison. It's like the best band name. Um, but we named it that because we were talking a lot about how, you know, people stay trapped inside of their own minds all the time, kind of the same way that a prisoner stays trapped inside of their cell all the time. But then even prisoners, even people in jail, have like a wreck time so they can like go out outside of their cell and they can like play cards or work out or just like kind of be outside of that little square box that they have to live in. And that's what me and my bandmates, that's how we've always viewed performing is like you spend all day inside of your head thinking about all the problems you're facing and stuff. And then you have, um, this like 30 minute window to get out into the world and express yourself creatively and to perform. And so it, it's a reminder that like music should be that outlet. Right. So I'm terrible with song names, but I was listening to prison and I love this part to all the people in the back of the room, crossing their arms and scoffing at everything I do come walk a mile in my shoes. And maybe you'll see it's not as easy as you'd think it would be pop quiz. What song title is that? Losing my mind. <laughs> I love it. I know that, right? Yeah, good thing. Good thing. I really like that a lot. Let's switch over to real quick. What does mental health mean to you? What does mental health mean to me? It means getting your brain to work for you instead of against you. I like that. Short and sweet. Short and sweet, my friend. All right. You can't pick prison. You can't pick any prison songs. I asked everybody this. If you were a pro wrestler or what do you like? Do you like baseball? What do you like? Boxing, UFC? Do you like anything like that? No, I'm not a big sports person, mostly music. Okay. Well, say you were coming out to an arena and it wasn't a prison song. It was like your first song of the night. You guys got introduced. What song would what song would it be? <laughs> I'm so tempted. This is so silly. This is not my real answer, but it's the one that popped into my head. Is that John Cena? Theme song. You got to do that in your next show. Yeah, I have to. I have to now. Yeah. I'll, I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of really soft, sweet music and then a lot of like heavy droney music. So neither of those things make for a great walkout song. Right. But one of my favorite songs of all time, you know what I'll do? Oh, here's my phone. I'll look at, I have a calm down playlist on uh, Spotify that Spotify. is just songs that calm me down. So I turn to it whenever I like get stressed out. For someone that see. sings like you, how do you keep your voice uh, not hoarse? Oh, it's just practice. Okay. Just constant practice. If you do it and it hurts, don't do it that way anymore. Try it a different way. Oh, that's a I would probably pick, you know what I'll pick, dude? Um, there's a song by, and I don't listen to this artist. I heard it on a commercial and fell in love with the song. It's a song by Bad Bunny called okay. Yo Visto Asi. And it is like the most hype jump around <laughs> pop song ever. And I love it. So that would be my walkout song for sure. Bad That's, Bunny, I've actually listened to that before I give a keynote. I'll be backstage and I'm like, all right, I need to put myself up and then I'll put that on. Does being a lead singer of a band help you with these TED Talks? 
Oh, 100%, dude. Yeah. 100%. Talking is like being a professional speaker is really challenging, yeah. but so is being the front man of a heavy metal band. So they, there are definitely some skills that cross over. And I think ultimately what I've been working on for like 15 years since I started performing is just not being afraid of being on stage and trying to be comfortable up there. Do you ever have that moment in your head that you want to be like, Milwaukee, get the fuck up. But it's like a TEDx song. It's a TEDx Dude, I, song. I always joke about that. Like, <laughs> yo, what the F is up? A mental health, behavioral health conference 2020 or something. That, and oh, that, I'm, I'm ultimately, I feel completely different energy. Like when I get on stage for a concert or when I get on stage to talk, the energy is different, but the goal is, is, is exactly the same. It's for me to express myself in a way that it helps the people who are in the room with me feel better. That's I it. It. I love it. All right, let's end with this, Johnny. Uh, again, can't appreciate it enough. I, I love that we talked today. What are three things that you're grateful for today, my friend? <sighs> hmm. The first is that I signed with a speakers bureau and we booked our first gig through the bureau today. I'll be speaking in Philly. Um, so that's really exciting. Awesome. Is that that's a first for me. It's my first in 11 years. It's my first gig through a bureau. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Number two, I, um, earlier today I had some barbecue leftover barbecue that a buddy of mine made who used to be a professional chef mm -hmm. and it was outstanding. It's like a week old and it's still better than something that I could cook today. It's right. just so freaking good. Some people are so talented at cooking. And then the third one is, um, that I get to see some good friends from church tonight they adopted a child and are about to adopt another one. So they have way less free time <laughs> than they used to. So it's always a privilege when I get to go visit them. Johnny, where could everyone find you on the internets? Copenotes.com, johnnycrowder.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I'm at Johnny Crowder loves you because I do. And if you want to watch the Ted talks, just go to YouTube and search Johnny Crowder. Johnny, I love you too, my man. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, dude. Yeah, for sure. Johnny, thank you so much. You have a great day. You too, brother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.